Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. It's a Wednesday. News and stuff. Right after this. Oh, gonna be quite a time. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Columbus, Ohio, Embassy Suites, Southwest Radio Church, and people are gonna hear things they've never heard before in their life from this preacher. Gonna be talking about Invisible War of the Saints in our brand new book, Are You a Victim or Are You a Victor? I pray that you've gotten your copy by now, pre-ordered it anyway. It's going to be such a help, such a blessing. You got an enemy out there. What do you know about the greatest enemy you will ever face? You need the information, my friend. And if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area, or if you're not, come on over. It all starts tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Southwest Radio Church, Clarity to the Chaos. A lot of great speakers. It's going to be a wonderful time, and we're looking forward for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe some folks will get saved, and we know lives will be changed. What in the world is going on? Well, this could be it. They could have gotten the right man. House Republicans jubilant, almost too much, uh, with excitement bursting on every turn. Is this a big deal? Hey, they coalesced around a new speaker nominee after a day of marathon closed-door meetings yesterday. I wonder if this thing's going to work out. GOP Conference Vice Chairman Mike Johnson, a Republican from Louisiana, became speaker-designate on Tuesday evening, the fourth Republican nominee in the last three weeks. They don't know the right hand and, well, you know what that... House GOP lawmakers insisted that their conference is finally on the same page and ready to unite under Johnson's leadership. Teeing up a House-wide vote for today, Representative uh, Tim Burchett, a Republican from down there in Tennessee, said my wife and I were talking and I said, if we can get somebody like Mike Johnson, we would be very fortunate. Well, why didn't they start there? I think he would be an excellent choice because he's very cerebral. And uh, this is what we all need. This is how I describe my ministry. He's a goober. But I dig that about the guy. There's an old saying in East Tennessee. Oh, I know about that. He's cleaner than a hound's tooth. You folks from Tennessee can identify with that one. Representative Burchett was one of eight House Republicans who voted to oust ex-House Speaker Kevin McCarthy from California three weeks ago. He said Johnson brings something to the table that's lacking in Washington, D.C. Well, we pray so. We certainly do. Israeli forces have escalated their bombardment in the Gaza Strip, if that's possible. As the war with Hamas enters its 19th day, the Hamas-run health ministry claims at least 5,791 Palestinians have been killed. You can't trust those people. 16,000, 17,000 wounded. More than 1,400 Israelis have been killed since the October 7th surprise attack by Hamas. 222 people, including foreigners, Americans, still missing. And they're all along the border. Israel remains poised for a ground invasion of Gaza, but the order is yet to come down. Iran and its terrorist proxy in Lebanon, Hezbollah, have threatened to join in the conflict. Meanwhile, Turkish President Erdogan referred to Hamas terrorists as, well, they're a liberation group trying to protect 
the innocent Palestinian people. In an address to his ruling party's legislators on Wednesday, this man said that he canceled plans to visit Israel as part of his country's policy of normalizing its relationship with the Jewish nation, adding that Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu had misused our goodwill. The president sharpened his criticism of Israel, describing the siege of Gaza as one of the bloodiest, most disgusting, and most savage attacks in the history of the world. Really? I think we're stretching things there, and uh, we got the shoe on the wrong. We have no problem with the Israeli state, but we never have and never will accept the atrocities committed by Israel and the fact that it acts as an organization rather than a state. The Turkish leader called for an immediate ceasefire for humanitarian aid to be allowed into Gaza and for talks for release of the hostages to begin now. And he also suggested the establishment of an international peace conference for Israel and the Palestinians. All sides must pull their fingers off the trigger. A ceasefire's got to be declared. Sounds good. Ain't gonna happen right away. So tomorrow in Columbus, Ohio, I'll be talking about demons and uh, their flying rampant in this war. The Israeli Air Force published a chilling handwritten note Wednesday that alleged was found on a Hamas fighter. The words from Hamas commanders, according to the Israeli Air Force, consist here of an order to kill Jews and an encouragement to decapitate them and to tear out their hearts and their livers. Know that this enemy of yours is a disease that has no cure other than beheading and extracting the heart and the liver. Yeah, these, these people are demons. Just a bunch of sickos. Hospitals overwhelmed, ceasing to function, period. The World Health Organization. Oh, boy. They said as the besieged territory runs out of fuel for generators, it's a problem. Doctors say that they have been forced to operate by the light of mobile phones, without anesthesia due to supply shortages and overcrowding, which is exasperated by thousands of uninjured people using the hospitals as a shelter hiding out. Israel has permitted most forms of aid into Gaza, but said it won't allow fuel because it believes Hamas will steal it to power their rockets and their tunnels. So, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, a New Jersey school district has canceled official school-wide Halloween, citing its diversity, equity, and inclusion values, and the purported potential for the festival to be offensive to people from various cultures and different religious backgrounds. This is a little confusing, but then Satan is the author of Confusing. Dr. Ron Taylor, superintendent of the South Orange and Maplewood School District, sent a letter to families on October the 6th explaining why any Halloween celebration in the district will have to be held after school. As you know, we are committed to promoting diversity and equity and inclusion. That's wrong. Meaningful, not just saying those words, but promoting it, an inclusive school program. Our aim is to build a consistent approach across the district as to how our schools observe and celebrate different holidays and special events. You see, this is going to be trouble in more ways. Each year, questions arise from families and students 
and staff about what our schools will be doing regarding Halloween. The question is, does the promotion of school-sponsored Halloween activities create tensions with the equity and access values of some in our schools? Meanwhile, the governor of New Jersey, Democrat Phil Murphy, responded, Are you serious? We can't let kids celebrate Halloween. Give me a break. Halloween, huh? Wicked, wicked, wicked. Are they progressives or regressives? What do you think, Huckabee? Thanks to President Biden, fake President Biden, more Americans than ever in both parties now favor setting a maximum retirement age for politicians. Although, <laughs> to be fair, Joe's retirement age from politics should have been about, oh, 30. But there are certain advantages to getting older. For instance, those of us of a certain age, yeah, we're oldies, have learned that leftists can't point to any successes for their policy, so they can only win any debate by constantly changing the terms. When you get to, well, as old as this guy is, you've lived through enough of their terminology, switcheroos to recognize them and remember only too well what they're really talking about. It's always wrong, regardless of how they say it. For instance, liberals used to be proud to call themselves liberals. Did you know that? They even used those exact words. I am a proud liberal. But somewhere around the time of uh, Jimmy Carter and the Iran hostages and gas lines were replaced by a guy named Reagan, the word liberal became so toxic they just stopped using it. Whenever this happens, and it happens a lot, the media try to blame it on conservatives for tarnishing, oh, beautiful word, liberalism or whatever term by saying that bad things are all around it. But they say much worse things about us, and we still call ourselves conservatives. The truth is we didn't give them a bad name. We don't hold enough sway over the lefty loonies to poison someone's name the way they have with conservatives and a guy named Trump. Liberalism gained its toxic reputation through lousy policies that create division and hardship for everything and everyone they touch. We couldn't have convinced Americans to start using liberal as a curse word. Those people had to earn that, and they did a good job. And that's how liberals suddenly became progressives. It sounds so positive. Everyone likes progress, for crying out loud. People, don't be fooled. Progress is another term that's been redefined by the lefties. The late comedian Gallagher once said, if pro is the opposite of con, then the opposite of progress must be <laughs> Congress. It's true. But it could also be said that progressivism is the opposite of progress. And if you think about it, what do they stand for that could actually be considered real progress? Nothing. Everything they promote, the lefty loonies, the Democrats, everything they promote is just some sort of retread of old, failed policies of days gone by that they keep trotting out again and again and calling it new and progressive. I guess they never heard of Einstein's definition of insanity, I'm sure you have, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. How sad. 
is that? So how far are you into Facebook? Did you know that Meta, Facebook's parent company, boy, they were slapped with lawsuits from a bipartisan group yesterday. 42, count them. 42 states attorney general yesterday that alleged the social media giant knowingly, knowingly is harming teens and kids. A majority of states, including Colorado, South Carolina, Minnesota, filed a federal lawsuit accusing Meta of targeting young people with addictive algorithms on Facebook and Instagram and then publicly downplaying any psychological damage that it can cause, as well as demonic entrance there. Meta isn't mad, it's just disappointed. A spokesperson for the company said it shares the Attorney General's commitment to provide teens with safe, positive experiences while being online, but argued that lawsuits are not a productive way to solve the problem. Okay. Let me ask, is this a shocker? After the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade last year, the anti-abortion advocates expected their ruling was going to lead to fewer abortions. Well, yeah, wait a minute. Turns out the opposite has happened. While the number of procedures performed in the 16 states that ban many or most abortions has unsurprisingly plummeted, the number performed in states that still allow it has skyrocketed, more than enough to offset any decline anywhere from any states in America, according to figures released by the Society of Family Planning. Those states performed 116,790 more murders than expected in the year since the ruling. Across the United States, there are 183 more murders per month than in the 12 months before it. We need to be reminded God never has blessed a nation that kills its young. America's had a lot of problems with abortion and the direction of this country. Where's my Bible? Life 101 is next. I'm always amazed when I hear about you, those of you that support Christian radio. I get a big opportunity every spring and fall down at WACB, Tri-Cities, Tennessee. Names, one right after another. Five bucks here, $100 a month here. A huge gift to support a day of broadcasting. Are you on board? Can you be? How about the widow's mite? Takes a little bit from everyone, and things could continue to roll, and the bills would get paid, and all of that stuff. This Christian radio station needs you desperately now. Keep on praying and maybe giving. Contact them today. See how you can be a part of Christian radio in your community. It is a really big deal. Well, today, talking about Life 101, where you and I live, what I'm going to talk about today is familiar. We don't like it, but it is familiar to you, my Christian friend. The scenarios are just alarming. The man in your Sunday school class, yeah, that guy who's having an extramarital affair. Now, that is bad. Your ministry co-worker who occasionally spouts off a profanity here or there. What about the church secretary who spreads malicious gossip? Blatant sin and disobedience are always painful to look upon, but there's a greater tragedy going on here. Each of these people is a professing Christian. Although we cannot judge the level of another person's commitment to Jesus Christ, we can be sure that the disobedience always grieves the heart of God. Would you agree with that? 
And this leaves us then with an important question we have to answer today. How should we react to our brothers and sisters in Christ when they are entangled in not just sin, but habitual sin? It's ongoing. You know, before you can discuss a person's responsibility in these matters, you've got to understand three biblical concepts regarding sin in the life of a believer, you, you and me. Number one, the enemy's snares are not new. In my series, the 40-part series video series on Invisible War on the Saints, we talk about this. The enemy's snares are not new. Although we often comment that our world is becoming more evil, I talk about it all the time, calling America the new America. And although immorality seems more rampant, the Bible assures us that corruption has indeed plagued our world since the original sin. King Solomon certainly embraced this concept, didn't he? Over 2,000 years ago, he recorded in the book of Ecclesiastes that, hey, there is nothing new under the sun. Didn't he say that? Ecclesiastes 1.9, get it again, nothing new under the sun. But if sin then is not new, what has produced this seemingly recent wave of ungodly behavior in America? The answer may lie in the ever-changing and adaptable temptation strategies used by Satan and his demons. In the book, When Godly People Do Ungodly Things, the author Beth Moore clearly documents this phenomenon. After conducting interviews with hundreds of Christians, she pieced together a common attack pattern by Satan. She said, I have never failed to be amazed at the brilliant schemes of the devil and was just floored by his ability to take advantage of well-hidden weaknesses. And the author goes on to write, not one of these individuals planned their season of ungodliness. Many described having already sinned before they even knew what hit them. You know, when Christians do not understand the true nature of the enemy, they can become unsuspecting targets of the traps that he's got waiting for him. With the decreasing amount of time that the carnal Christian spends in the Word of God, it's no wonder that many proclaimed followers of Jesus Christ are really unprepared for any spiritual warfare. I mean, to seriously do battle with Satan. And I think most people realize there is a difference between salvation and submission to God. Now, have you ever tried to reconcile, as an example, sinful behavior in the life of a brother or a sister in Christ by telling yourself, well, I guess this person was not really saved? Although that's certainly a possibility, it's not always the case. God's Word tells us that once we have received Christ and are born again, we can never be snatched from His hand. John 10, 29. However, it's completely possible for a Christian to temporarily fall into a destructive pattern of sin despite being saved. This unfortunate predicament is common among those who have not solidified the second most important decision in a believer's life, to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's true that every person must receive Christ in order to have eternal life and go to heaven, but one must then choose to live in a way that glorifies God. In other words, at some point in your life, my life, all followers of Christ must decide to obey Him and to surrender their selfish desires to the perfect will of God. If a born-again believer has not made this key decision, he will repeatedly be unprepared for the enemy's attacks. And then how about this? There's a godly way to process disillusionment and the things we're talking about. When we witness acts of disobedience, and we will, in the lives of those we look up to or care about, you could easily become discouraged, couldn't you? Sure. Yet when we think of the great heroes of the Bible, we see their lives were at times, right, 
marred by sin. Abraham, for example, laughed at God. David, my goodness, he committed adultery. He committed murder for one night of selfish indulgence. And Peter, well, he denied that he even knew Jesus Christ. How much worse can this get? Despite such lapses in obedience, however, the Lord was able to use these men in a mighty way to uh, accomplish his will, because each of them repented and turned from their respective sins. Now, the important lesson for us is that sooner or later, all people will fail us, absolutely, regardless of their good intentions. It's what we do with our feelings of disillusionment that can affect our spiritual growth. Bottom line is that we should never let another person's mistake damage our relationship with Jesus Christ. Though we are offended, we must cling to the one who will never fail us, placing our total trust in him. And by the way, it's not you holding on to God, it's God holding on to you. John Bevere writes, The Bait of Satan had this to say about uh, moving beyond disillusionment with a Christian community. Many people have been serving the Lord fervently and have come into difficult life situations, I guess because of being mistreated by either wicked men or carnal Christians. The truth is, they've been treated unjustly. But to become offended would only fulfill the enemy's purpose of getting them out of the will of God. With these key principles in mind, are we ready to address the question of our responsibility? When we see another believer stumble, fall, lead someone else astray? What in the world should we do? Do we have a biblical obligation to address the situation, or should we just simply take a hike? I guess the question might be, what, when should we step in, or should we? Well, Galatians 6.1 says that, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. If you have a close relationship with someone who's in sin, the Lord may call you to carefully challenge his or her behavior. As the scriptures say, however, this must be done gently and in love. If your motivation is based on jealousy, bitterness, you're angry, postpone that intervention. And then, how can we protect ourselves from backsliding? It'd be pointless to fight an imaginary war, wouldn't it? For the Christians who do not understand that we are continually in spiritual warfare, fighting does seem incongruous. But the Bible clearly tells us that our battle is a real battle. And though we fight not against flesh and blood, you've got to be prepared for the enemy's fire. Ephesians 6.12 Therefore be a good soldier, prepare for combat, gird yourselves with spiritual armor. Paying special attention to our individual weaknesses. Get ready. The war is on. And what? Oh, you're the guilty party. If God is bringing a habitual sin in your life to mind, the Holy Spirit is prompting you to take some action. Nothing good can come from a break of your fellowship with God other than the realization of how much you really need Him. When you're ready to move away from your sin, the assistance you need is only a prayer away. Really? Since there's no condemnation in Christ, your act of repentance will not be met with scorn or disdain from God. Therefore, you should not let fear stand in the way of restoring the most important relationship in your life, the one you have with your Heavenly Father. And finally, the guy was asked a simple question. What was the pastor's sermon today? Babylon, he said. Babylon. The pastor preached on Babylon today? Oh, no, no, the pastor seemed to 
Babylon, Babylon. <laughs> I know some bit. I better shut up. I could get in a lot of <laughs> big trouble here, my friend. Hey, you've been listening to a low world news, information, and comment every day at this time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling others. I think I love you. Join us in Columbus tomorrow if you can, my friend. That's the way it is. Wednesday, October the 25th, 2023. I am Greg Patton. God bless you. Have a fantastic remainder of this day.